Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible Class. We're continuing our study in the General Epistle of James. James is one of the seven small epistles that we find in the New Testament that are considered universal or general epistles. We've completed the first three chapters of the book of James, and we've been finding that suffering makes a mature man. In chapters 1, verses 1 through 20, we find that scripture study makes a mature man. We find that in chapter 1. We also find sincerity makes a mature man in chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Christian service makes a mature man in chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Sound speech makes a mature man in chapter 3 of James. And submission to God makes a mature man. We find that in chapter 4. And those are some parts of the outline, and we'll cover all of the parts of the outline that Harold Wilmington gives us over time as well. Here we are in chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 and following. We have just finished conversation in chapter 3 that reached the heights of heaven as we looked at what it was to have godly wisdom. We also reached the depths of hell by seeing what it was to have man's wisdom and the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the devil. Quite honestly, I'd rather have the wisdom of God. And here in chapter 4, we start out with this in verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. These three verses are certainly a far cry from the last two verses of chapter 3. In those verses, we were in the sublime territory of the heavenlies. Here, we're in the territory of the earth and looking at mortal man, trying to follow Christ but not apparently succeeding. Chapter 3 ended by stressing the peace that results from heavenly wisdom. In this portion, James emphasizes the strife that is so common among those that he was sending his letter to. This stemmed from their unsatisfied, selfish desires, not from anything of trying to follow Christ, but for themselves, 
They had the wrong attitude, of course. They were looking at the temporal and the material. They were not looking at the eternal and supernal. Instead of wrestling with God in prayer, these believers are striving with one another. How sad it was to come from that pinnacle of rejoicing in chapter 3 and to come here in chapter 4 and to be engrossed and to be embittered and embattled in the world of sin. And yet, remember, James is writing to those who would consider themselves to be in Christ, to those who consider themselves to be in the church. And he says, where do those wars, those conflicts, and those fights come from? Those wars and fights, those conflicts and fights that are among you, that are within your midst, where are they coming from, he wants to know. Don't they come from your lust? From the lust that's in each one of you that wars within yourself? Are you not allowing those terrible, strife-filled thoughts and motives and desires for pleasure, are you not allowing them to disrupt the very call of God upon your lives? That's the question. Is it not your unrestrained human emotions and desires for pleasure that are tearing you apart and tearing you apart as it tears your brothers and sisters in Christ apart? And when you are warring as you are warring here, you're warring in yourself first and destroying yourself before you begin to destroy those that are in the congregation. What a question, what a set of questions from James, the leader at the church in Jerusalem. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You murder. You covet. You cause battles, but you can't even get what you want, and you have not because you ask not. Why do you not have what it is that you need? Because you go and try to get it from the world's sources. You're murdering, you're coveting, you're lusting, and yet you're not getting, you're not obtaining what it is that you want. And you don't get because you don't ask. You're not asking God for what you need. Now, verse 3 is even more important, I think, in this uh, set of verses because he says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. So you don't ask, but even if you do ask, you're asking for the wrong thing. You're asking in the wrong way. You are not seeking what God would have for you because you want to consume what you get on your own lusts. It is totally against God's word and God's will. And that's what James is saying. That's the practicality of the book of James. He's saying, look, you can't be the sinner that you are and expect to get anything good from God. You can't do it. 
It's not allowed. God will not allow you to be that way. God will not, will not allow you to seek your own desires, your lustful desires, to, to harm other people, to ruin their reputation, to cause trouble for them, and then think you're going to get something good from God. And even when you do pray and you ask for a certain thing, you're asking in the wrong way. Verse 4. He doesn't slow down, by the way. He continues, Ye adulterers and adulteresses. He didn't leave the women out. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Get the picture? You cannot play with the devil's crowd and expect God's blessing. It will not happen. This being the first epistle written to the Jewish church, not even the Gentile church yet. This is the Jewish church. And this is the first epistle written, and it's an epistle of practicality, telling them you can't play with the world and expect for God to bless you. You can't have false wisdom, the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of Satan, and expect God to bless you. It will not happen. It is important that we understand that. I remember many years ago going with a dear brother and his uh, group that went to uh, a camp of foreign workers. And these folks were here on some sort of work permits, and then they were supposed to go home at the end of the uh, work time. And they stayed here for several months of the year. And I got to go with them one time. And this fellow had this wonderful ministry. Every week he was up there working with these people and preaching and teaching. And people were getting saved. And I was, I was blessed to be able just to go the one time. But I was able to go. And I was able to speak to some of the people. And one of the things I, I guess I gave a message of some sort, certainly a witness of some sort, and then then there was uh, some conversation, some questions. And this one fellow came up to me and he said, do you mean it's wrong for me to have sexual relations to somebody that's not my wife? I said, yeah, it's wrong. That's what the Bible says. You understand that this fellow, whether or not he was putting me on, I don't know, but he presented himself as not understanding the scriptural mandate, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's pretty clear. It's in the Ten Commandments, but he had never learned that, apparently. At least that's how it was presented to me. And when I see this in chapter 4, verse 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship of the world makes you an enemy with God? <laughs> don't you understand that? I laugh, but it's not funny, really. It's just amazing to me that we have people that sit in the pews today that listen to Bible teaching who think they're okay, and they have their life in the world most of the time, living in sin most of the time, but sure enjoying good Christian music or good Christian teaching and expecting to get to heaven on some merit other than Christ. Doesn't work that way. 
It doesn't work that way. If you're an adulterer or an adulteress, don't you know that the friendship of the world, this following after the things of Satan, following after the things of the world, the pattern of the world, the life of the world, the structure of the sinful things of the world, when you do that, when you spend your time doing that, you are not a friend of God. God does not recognize you as one of his own. If you are not in Christ, you are in the world. If you're in the world, you can't be in Christ, according to God's word. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, that's not me saying that. That's God's word saying that. That's James writing that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's writing to people who are in the, quote, church. What about your congregation, my friend? Got any people there that don't belong? That really don't belong? This is what James is writing about. And he's not saying be mean to these people. He says make them aware of the truth. It's the truth that will set you free. It's not some nasty wagging tongue that will set you free. It's not some pointed finger in your nose will set you free. But it's the word of God. The truth of God's word will set you free. And until you know you're a sinner bound for hell, you can't be freed by the truth that Jesus Christ loved you and died for you, that you might have salvation and be saved from eternal damnation. Here James is very clear, very clear. He says, don't you know that if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God? You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God's. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. What he's going to do now is give you an opportunity to flee from the sin of the world. James is giving you that opportunity that Christ gives you. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What James is saying is very, very clear, very practical. And he says, my friend, you know that if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God's, but God will give you grace. He'll give you the grace you need, the ability, God's riches at Christ's expense. He will give you the grace you need. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Throw yourself on the mercy of Almighty God. Resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. You see, the problem with folks who are friends of the world's, who are involved in sin, is that they're friends of sin. They've never submitted themselves to God. They submit themselves to Satan. 
And here, James says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, because he loves those that are humble, and he receives those that are humble, and he gives grace to those that are humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, then resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you, and you won't have to worry about him. Verse 8, draw nigh to God. That means get close to God, and he will draw nigh to you. He'll get close to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Double-minded means that you're in the world and also trying to be in Christ. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Israel was a spiritual adulteress. Israel was unfaithful to God spiritually. The church also is a spiritual adulteress when she's unfaithful as the bride of Christ. You can look that up if you want to in Hosea chapter 2 verse 5. Hosea, of course, knew much about this sort of thing. In uh, Hosea 2.19 and 20 as well, in Matthew 12.39, you can't be a lover of God and a lover of the world. God won't allow it. It will not work. So, a lot of folks believe that verse 5, Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? They believe that verse 5 refers to the positive ministry, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, giving jealousy over the believer. The uh, verses 4 and 5, however, are quite negative. don't really lead us to that thought. And they speak of man's envy. So the good work of God begins at uh, verse 6. That's where grace begins. But he giveth more grace is greater grace. God gives greater grace. He gives grace that is greater than the world's attraction. He gives greater grace, grace that is greater than the inner lust that one would have, that we find in verse 5. So it's because of that great grace, that greater grace, greater than anything that we face, that allows us to be broken free from the devil's grip. It allows us then to submit ourselves to God it allows us then to resist the devil. It allows us to watch him flee from us as we draw nigh to God. The closer we are to God, the further away we are from the enemy, and the further away we are from the world. And that's exactly what James is trying to teach them here in a very practical way. You can't play around with sin. You can't play around with sin. You never can. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. That's one of the biggest problems we have in the world today, is that we're double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You remember that from earlier teaching already? And here he brings it up again. We must purify our hearts, and we do that by faith in Jesus Christ. And we're afflicted, and we mourn, and we weep, we cry, and then our laughter becomes mourning, and our joy becomes heaviness as we make ourselves humble in the sight of the Lord. Now, here's the key. 
when we have done that, when we've realized our great sin and our great need of an almighty God's working in our life through Jesus Christ, then he will lift us up and he will make us acceptable in the beloved and accepted in the beloved. You see, God wants us to be in right relationship with him. That's why he sent his son to this earth to die for us. That's why his Holy Spirit strives with us that we might be lifted up by Almighty God. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumpel, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.